Well, welcome to FBC. My name is Joe Andrews. If you're, uh, if you're a regular tender here, you know that I am not the pastor. Uh, we've actually just switched jobs. That's what he told the other uh, people in the last service. We kind of switched jobs for today, so he's going to come up after me. We did not switch salaries. I was kind of disappointed in that. Were, were you disappointed? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so happy to be with you. I'm so happy just to, uh, to be up here preaching the Word of God. It's something that I love, and it's something that we need more of here in 2020, which is where we find ourselves now, still in 2020. This is the year that will not end. I don't know how, but it's feel, it felt like I have lived five years in this one year. It has been so hard for each and every one of us. I know that you're feeling it too. I know that, uh, I don't know if you've thought about it, but who we really need to feel sorry for right now is scrapbookers, Okay. If you're a scrapbooker, like you're looking forward to the end of the year where you can wrap everything up and put it all in a scrapbook. Yeah, scrapbookers aren't scrapbooking this year, okay? Nobody's like chomping at the bit saying, you know what I need to do is I need to finish my 2020 scrapbook. I mean, what are you going to put in there? If you're a scrapbooker, how can, you, how can you put some great pictures in there to show how our nation is so divided racially and how it's divided politically? I mean, that's going to be a pretty sad scrapbook. And if you have a scrapbook and you turn the page, you're going to have to definitely put like, like 20 to 50 pages of COVID in there, people in masks you could put in there. I mean, it's just, it's been horrible. You could put a picture of the entire world because the entire world has been affected by it. You could put pictures of empty Walmart shelves. Once from like in March and April, you could do it again now, okay? Shelves are empty again. So if you needed something, sorry, you can't get it now. Uh, that's why you're here, to hear from the Lord, okay? He's going to fill all those gaps. Now listen, because 2020 has been so rough, I think it gets all of our minds focused on all of these other things except God. And I mean, to top 2020 off, you have the pandemic, you have riots, you have fires, you have flooding, you have flooding and fires, you have hurricanes. The icing on the cake to all of this, you know, is murder hornets. Like in 2019, they were just hornets. They're just regular hornets. Now we have murder hornets because it's more edgy. So if I was scrapbooking after I put in murder hornets, uh, I, would, I would put in the staff into my scrapbook, and I would put them in, but they need a more edgy name too, just like the Hornets did. And so I would put that with them too. I would just be like, this is, this is uh, murder David Burroughs. <laughs> Have a sweet picture there. This is murder Brian Kleber, murder Barry Fall, murder. And then I was realizing if I do that, it really just looks like a hit list that, that I'm making. So I probably won't do that. I'll just put their regular names in my scrapbook. But what all of this has done in 2020 is it's brought us to a place, so many of us to a place where we're just losing hope. Where so many of you are thinking about all of these things going on and you're thinking, where is God in all of this? Some people are thinking, does God just not care? Has God just abandoned me? because of everything that I'm going through right now? Has God just abandoned America because of everything we're going through as a nation? Maybe he's just doesn't care about anything that's going on in the entire world. And these thoughts begin to creep in and the things that we feel because of the things that we go through begin to reflect 
on our God. And it shouldn't be that way, but if we're just honest, we've probably all had these thoughts at some point during our lives and maybe probably during 2020 as well. I'm here to tell you, the one thing that I don't want you to forget today as you leave and go home, actually, I don't want you to forget this for the rest of your life. The way that you feel because of the things that you're going through usually tend to reflect on God, but here's, here's the good news, okay? How you feel about God never changes who God is. What you feel about God never changes who he is. Let's just say you had a really, really hard day. And then a week or two later, you have the best day in your life, the best day that you could ever imagine. Guess what? Your God is the same on the day that you had the worst day of your life that he is on your best day of the life. But that's not what we think. Our minds tell us something different. Our minds say God probably changes like we do. And that is absolutely incorrect. How we feel doesn't change God and it doesn't change God the things that we go through. And so we can always bank on the fact that God is something that we can never be. What is that? What is God that we can never be? He has a character trait that you and I do not have, and it's really even hard for us to understand. It's a doctrine, and it's called immutability. Immutability is another word for it is God's unchangeableness, okay? God is unchangeable. That means he doesn't change. You and I, we are becoming something every day right? Every day I might get a little better at my job. Every day I might become a little better father or maybe a worse husband, or I'm always becoming something. We're becoming smarter. Some people are becoming dumber. We don't point those people out, but we know that it's happening. Everybody is becoming something. Everybody is changing. We're all getting older, and so we're all changing in that way. Guess what? With God, zero change all the time. The exact same God that we have right now in 2020 is actually the exact same God as he was 3,300 years ago when he was talking with Moses on the top of Mount Sinai. And that same God who met with Moses is the exact same God who you and I can call on at any given moment. I want to kind of give you some backstory to Moses because we are, we're going to be looking at this whole passage in Exodus 34, but you got to know a little about Moses. You know that he was brought up in Egypt. He probably was brought up to worship other gods. At some point, he realized that the Egyptians were not his people, but the Hebrews were his people, and he sees them being mistreated. And he stops one of them from being mistreated, and he kills an Egyptian, and he flees Egypt. He then meets with God at the burning bush, and God says, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. And so Moses goes, and after 10 plagues, Moses, God, through Moses, leads all of the people out of Egypt, out of slavery. And they come to the Red Sea, and what looks like an impossible obstacle, God opens up. They walk through on dry land, and Moses is continuing to lead these people. 
Then he goes up on Mount Sinai and God gives him the Ten Commandments and they are great. And Moses loves the Ten Commandments. And as he's coming down the mountain, probably with a kind of a skip in his step, he's got the Ten Commandments. He's like, I just met with God. This is awesome. Uh, and then he sees everybody below and he looks like a party. And he's like, this is awesome. I, I have the Ten Commandments from the Lord. This is great. As he gets closer and closer, he realizes it's not the kind of party that he was expecting. All of the Israelites have taken off all of their jewelry They've melted it down and they've made a golden calf. And they said, this is the God that freed us from, e from Egypt. And Moses, being quick to anger, has those 10 commandments that God has just given them. Like, you want to be careful with something that God gives you. Like a physical thing that God gives you, you should probably be careful with it. Moses sees everything that's happening. He takes the 10 commandments and throws them on the ground. They're dashed into pieces. He was probably like... I shouldn't have done that. I'm, I'm sorry. <clears throat> so God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come back up to the top of the mountain. I'm going to give you a new set of the commandments, but you're going you're to make the stones. You're going to bring them up to the mountain, and I'm going to meet with you there. Just before that, God, uh, Moses had asked God, because this is a journey with Israel and Moses getting to know God. They're not exactly sure all who he is, everything he does. And so Moses, just wanting to press in and know God more, says, God, I want you to show me your glory. I want to see your glory. And Exodus 34 is an answer to that request of Moses. And so what I want to do right now is go ahead and read that to you now. This is Exodus 34, verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud. So Moses is up on top of this mountain, and God himself comes down in this cloud. And God himself stood with Moses there. And he proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will no, by no means clear the guilty. Now listen to this part. It's a little confusing. Visiting the sin or iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Now that sounds like God isn't very good because it sounds like he's going to punish children for their father's sins. That's actually not what's going on. One thing that's going on here is God wants Moses to know if the father sins and he is punished, it doesn't exempt the children from sinning that same sin and escaping punishment. Okay? And so he's saying that's one of the things that's going on here. The children can't just go on sinning because the fathers had already been uh, punished for it. The other thing that he's saying is that sin has consequences, all right? So sin always has consequences. If I decide to go and get drunk and I drive and I die in a crash, my sins are going to affect my children for the rest of their lives. They're going to grow up without a father, and so all of, our, all of our sin has consequences, and that's what he's talking about right there. And then Moses hears everything that God just said, and it says, Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth, and he worshiped. If you can just put yourself on top of that mountain for a second, 
in Moses' place, just to think of everything that was going on. You're at this high mountain. You're on the peak. God decides he's going to meet with you, and he comes down in this dark cloud. Probably, I'm picturing thunder, I'm picturing lightning, I'm picturing God's booming voice, I'm picturing the earth shaking. This is a scary moment for Moses, but it's also everything that he has wanted from God. He said, God, show me your glory. I know it'll be scary, but I can't wait to see what you're going to reveal to me. And what we have here in this passage is absolutely astounding. In the Bible, there's not too many places where this happens. This is what happens. God introduced himself to Moses. God on the mountain decides to say, all right, Moses, you want me to show you my glory? You want to know who I am? I'm going to tell you who I am. And just like you, when you go and you meet somebody, you introduce yourself, you're going to tell them your name, you're going to tell them who you are, you're going to tell them what you like, what you dislike, you're going to tell them what you do, what your job is. God is no different in this circumstance. He's just going to plainly introduce himself to Moses, all right? And the cool thing that I really need you to see in this passage is that the same God that introduced himself to Moses 3,300 years ago is the same God now in 2020. So let's look at what God said to Moses on this mountain. It is absolutely incredible. The very first thing that we see is that God tells Moses, I am Yahweh. Now, I don't know if you're looking in your Bible, you would probably have something that says, The Lord, the Lord, and Lord is in all caps. That's actually called the Tetragrammaton in Hebrew, all right? It's the personal name of God, Yahweh. It's four letters in Hebrew with no vowels. So we collectively as humanity have kind of put some vowels in there so that we can maybe guess at what God's name actually was. But here is what he says, Yahweh, Yahweh. Now he says it twice to emphasize who he is, how important he is, and also to glorify himself. Scholars agree that this word pretty much means that it just, it points to God's existence. It's just like in the, uh, when God was talking to Moses from the burning bush and he says, who should I tell them that I sent me, God? Who should I tell them? And God says, tell them that I am has sent you. So this, this word Yahweh means I am. It just points to God always existing. And for the very first time, Moses is hearing God's name, and it is awesome. Moses actually uses it all through his writings. He actually used it before this passage. And it's really interesting to see, but God just simply wants to start out with a nice introduction. Here's who I am. I am Yahweh. Here's the next thing that God says. I am compassionate. God tells Moses, listen, I am Yahweh and I am compassionate. Compassionate means that you can look on the suffering and pain of someone else and feel something for them. You can take compassion on them. In fact, we see this played out earlier in, uh, in the book. If you go to Exodus 3, this is verse 7. This is what it says. Then the Lord said, God is talking to Moses through the burning bush, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sufferings. 
God says to Moses, Moses, listen, I'm not like all of the other false gods out there, the idols that are in Egypt. I'm not like them. They're angry. You have to appease them. That's not me. I am Yahweh. I am I am. And I am a compassionate God. I look on the suffering of my people and I feel for them. I take compassion on them. Which brings us to the next uh, thing that God says. He says, I am gracious. So God is just introducing himself to Moses. He's saying, I'm Yahweh. I am compassionate. I'm gracious. Now, this is, again, unlike any other God that Moses has ever heard of. And when, when Moses is just getting to understand who God is, these are the last things that Moses would have ever guessed that God was because he is deity, and that's not how deities were. So God says, I am gracious. Gracious is God giving to us what we need instead of what we deserve, God had been gracious to the nation of Israel. In fact, in that same passage that we just read, the next verse, verse 8, he says, I know their sufferings. Verse 8 says, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So not only did God take compassion on Israel and say, I see your suffering, and I'm not going to do anything about it. That's not what he said. He said, I see your suffering and I'm going to be gracious to you. And he's telling Moses, I'm a gracious God. I see suffering and then I act. I give people what they don't deserve. I give them good things. And he gave Israel exactly what Israel needed. Now, this brings us to the next thing that God says. And we've already talked about how angry Moses was as soon, the second that he saw and realized what was going on below the mountain and he threw the Ten Commandments. Moses was quick to anger. Just like many of us in this room were quick to anger. When God is introducing himself to Moses, he says, I am slow to anger. I am slow to anger. I am a patient God. God is so very patient with us. I don't know if you just think back a little to the story. I mean, right after Moses and God had led the people out of Israel, they're trapped up against the Red Sea, and the Egyptians are closing in, and they realize we're going to die now by the Egyptians, and they start griping. They tell Moses, Moses, why would you and why would God lead us here just to be killed by the Egyptians? It would be better if we were still slaves. And they were griping, and they were griping, and they were griping. And instead of God, this all-powerful being, being quick to anger, because that would be a bad combination, right? An all-powerful God who's quick to get angry, that's not a God that I want. Moses hears God say, I am slow to anger, and I'm going to be patient with Israel. When they think I've abandoned them, when they feel like I've abandoned them, I haven't. I was actually in this passage with my kids. We were doing a Bible study around the table uh, dinner probably about a week and a half ago. And as we were going through this, I said, uh, what do you guys think slow to anger means? And my son, Jack, I kind of zero in on him. I was like, Jack, what do you think? What does it mean? And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, all right, well, let me flip it around. What do you think fast to anger means? And he's like, uh... That I guess you get angry really fast. And I was like, exactly, that's awesome. All right, so let's flip that around. 
what would slow to anger be? And he's like, I guess like if you're slow to get angry. And then I stuck my foot in my mouth. My whole family is around the table. We're all eating. Everybody's happy. And I decide to change that. And so I say, here's what I say. I'm just going to admit it. I said, all right, kids, is your mom slow to anger? (laughs) So uh, I'll just skip to the other part. And I said, all right, well, how about your dad? (laughs) Is your dad slow to anger? Am I slow to get angry? And they said, no, sometimes you're quick to get angry. I said, all right. And they said, other times you're kind of slow to get angry. It just depends. And I was like, yeah, I, I change. I'm not like God. I'm not always slow to anger. I wish I was. It's something that I need to work on. Uh, and anyways, so that was that whole thing. But listen, God is a patient God. God talking to Moses 3,300 years ago said, I am slow to anger. Take heart. It is okay. You're not going to have to worry about that. Then he says, I'm abounding in steadfast love. And he also says he's abounding in steadfast faithfulness. So I'm abounding in steadfast love, and I'm abounding in steadfast faithfulness. Now, there's, there's a few words that we need to get through. The word abounding means simply this, that you're overflowing and you can never run out, okay? That's what abounding means, all right? Now, let's take the next word, steadfast. Steadfast means constant. It always holds true. There's no fluctuation. There's no ups and downs, no ebbs and flows. It's constant, So God says to Moses on the mountain, the thing that Moses is probably least likely to think he would ever say ever. He says, I am abounding. I'm overflowing and never ending in my love that's always constant. The word for love is hesed in Hebrew, and this word is a covenant Love. It means an unconditional love. It is always there. It is always available. And God says, listen, my love, it's overflowing. It never runs out. It's steadfast. It's constant. I love you. And I am a God who loves. The other thing that he says is I am a God abounding in steadfast faithfulness. So if we think about the word faithfulness, it's actually the word loyal. Okay. God is always loyal. But don't forget that he said it again, abounding and steadfast. So God's loyalty is overflowing. It never runs out and it's constant. He is always loyal. You can't escape his loyalty because it's who he is. You can't get away from this God and his love because it's just who he is. It's always constant. That means if you have a bad day or a a month or you have a huge, horrible, bad 2020, God is still constant in his love and constant in his faithfulness, whether you feel it or not. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. We just sang it. When we don't feel it, it doesn't mean that it isn't true. When we don't feel God's love or his faithfulness and we think he's walked away from us, it's not true because he's a never-changing God. In Malachi 3.6, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. He's unchanging. He's the same God then as he was now. He's the same God when he created that he is today in 2020. He's the same God before creation because when it was just him, he's the exact same His love never fluctuated. 
His faithfulness never wavered, and it still doesn't to this day, no matter how we feel about it. The next thing probably blew Moses' mind. God says, I am forgiving, a forgiving God. That was something foreign to every other false god in the world, somebody that just forgives. Moses needed forgiveness. He had murdered someone. Uh, That was one of his big ones. He had all the rest, just like you and me do. God needed, I mean, sorry, Moses needed a God who was forgiving. And it was great for Israel as well. Israel had just built a false idol and worshiped it and said, here's who took us out of Egypt. And instead of God, with his, all of his power, he just forgives instead of smiting everyone, which he could have done. Why would he do that? Well, because he's a forgiving God. I, I planted churches with a guy in Argentina, a great guy, but he thought that God couldn't forgive everything that he had done. It was too bad. Sin worse than you and me, for sure. And he told me what was going on in his life. Here's why I think that. And I said, it doesn't matter. Our God never changes. And when he talked to Moses, he says, I am a forgiving God. It doesn't matter if you feel it or not. You don't have to feel God's forgiveness to be forgiven. Your feelings are notoriously wrong. You're forgiven because God is a forgiving God. You're loved because God is a loving God. The last thing that God says is that I am just. He tells Moses, Moses, look, I'm just. I know you just heard I'm forgiving, and you've heard all of these other things that I've just told you about myself, but I also won't let the guilty person run free. So if there's a guilty person and they're not following me, then they will have their punishment. It's just like any good judge. A judge isn't going to let somebody go after doing something horrible. So we have this beautiful picture of Moses on the mountaintop, with the Lord and the Lord just saying, here's who I am. Bank on it, Moses. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I never change. I, the Lord, do not change. So when I say I'm loving and gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and all of that, I mean it and I mean it forever. I don't just mean it right now. And it doesn't matter, Moses, what you feel or what you don't feel. So how do we bring all of this to today, to 2020? which we, was like a murder year. How do we bring all this back to us? I want to show you four things. In 2020, this is the God that you need. Right now, in 2020, in the middle of all of this, and we're all feeling it, my 2020 has been utterly horrible. (laughs) This is the God I need. It's the God you need. It's the one that we can bank on. He's the same then as he is now, which brings us to the next point. God is the same in 2020 as he was 3,000 years ago. We don't have to worry if God has become something else because God hasn't, because he can't, because it's against his nature. He cannot change and he does not change. If he was a forgiving God then, he's a forgiving God now, whether you feel his forgiveness or not. He's a loving God then, he is a loving God now, whether you feel like he's loving or not. He's faithful, he's compassionate, he's slow to anger whether you feel it or not. Your feelings don't change who God is. Which brings me to the third point. When life is easy, hard, or unbearable, God doesn't change. 
God never changes. I was talking to the pastor just a second. He said, we change, but God doesn't change. That is so very true. We change so much in everything that we are, and God has made us to be changeable beings. He himself, though, is the same, whether our life is hard or easy, whether it's unbearable or it's the best life that anyone has lived on the planet. It doesn't change who God is, which brings us full circle, how you feel about God never changes who God is. I know some of you have come today with some of these thoughts about God because of everything that you've seen this year. Maybe you've lost hope. Maybe you came here just grasping today for something that you can hold on to. Here's what you can hold on to. He's unchangeable. He's the same then as he is now. He's the same today as he will be a million, a trillion years in the future. He will not change. It's just who he is, and we can bank on that. So in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And maybe you felt like God has abandoned you. He can't. He cannot abandon you because he is overflowing and never-ending in constant loyalty and faithfulness to you. Maybe you feel like God hates you. He can't. He is overflowing and never ending in constant love for you. Maybe you feel today like God hasn't forgiven you. He can't not forgive. He is a forgiving God. It's who he was. It's who he is. It's who he will be. And so I wonder if some of us just need to change and tweak our thinking a little bit right now. Maybe we just need to say, Lord, I'm so sorry for thinking these things about you that I know aren't true. Or maybe you've given up on God because you thought that he had given up on you, but he clearly hasn't. Maybe you just need to confess that to the Lord today. Maybe you're looking for a church to join. Maybe you're letting too much of how you feel color who God is. And that's just not accurate. Just repent to him. Maybe you're looking uh, for a savior. Maybe you want to come to this forgiving God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. He doesn't just clear the guilty. Jesus Christ paid. Whatever it is you need to do today, there's going to be some pastors up here in just a second. You can talk with one of us. You pray with one of us. Tell us you want to know the Lord. We'll lead you through that. If you want to join the church, whatever you need to do, please do. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, we thank you for being a God who loves us even when it doesn't feel like it. We thank you for being a God who never changes. Help us respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.